0: going to be talking to Jane Trays about this very interesting research about the life and experiences of older lesbians and she is here at the microphone now all the way up from from Sussex hi Jane how are you doing hello I'm good and cheerful in spite of the music <laughs> yes, I hope I'm not depressing you too much well I just it's my kind of protest against as, as we turn into December people start mm-hmm. playing that all that sort of cheery Christmas music and that makes me feel more depressed I absolutely think. Yeah. <laughs> So tell us um, how how this research came about. Oh, um, how did it come about? How you came to be doing it? How you thought? Right. Well, it's a long
1: story, and I'll try and make it short. I think okay. actually it came from two very different directions: one personal and one kind of more academic. Mm. Because uh, when you get to my age, you find yourself going to quite a few funerals, right? And uh, funerals of a lot of my old older friends. Yes are notable for the fact that they talk all about the long life that the person's had and all the things they've done. But there's um, a certain codedness in No, there's, oh an, no. Absence. there's, there's an, an absence, right, an very often. absence there's a right and a complete absence about There's a complete absence. Um about, you know, that whole part of their identity that yes, was okay. That, that was, was huge. Called, that was gay. And gay, and for a lot of them it was absolutely huge. Yeah. Um, mm. and I became aware, and I've been thinking about it, and I thought I've got three friends at that time who were in their eighties or nineties mm. and they'd all lived very closeted lives. Uh-huh. And I just thought they are going to go to their graves without their stories ever having been told. And I was in my head, I was get, working towards a sort of oral history project. Okay. I was going to try and persuade them to tell me their stories so that at least they wouldn't be lost. Yes. So I suppose that's just an old-fashioned feminist project, really. Mm-hmm. But then around that same time, I was doing my master's at, um, at Birmingham University. Oh, yes. and. I w- we were studying representation of people, how they're represented in the media or in popular culture, whatever. And I became aware that old lesbians are not represented anywhere. at all. In yeah. fact, we don't even think they exist. Right.
0: It's um, interesting, And the isn't more it?
1: I looked into this, the more convinced I was that this is a part of the LGBT community that is completely invisible.
0: Well, it, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, you could argue that older women in general, I mean, we've seen obviously the BBC sort of acts women when they that get over part 40 of it. and that's that- part of it but then also lesbians in general are not that visible i mean exactly. yes we get fictional soap characters played by heterosexual actresses mm-hmm. who are often very very glamorous yeah. you know yeah. um but we don't see a lot i mean i guess now we've got claire Balding, Sue perkins but I mean, they didn't make it sort of openly as out. They've no, come out later. That's right. It's quite interesting. And it? I think uh,
1: that's lovely, isn't it? Because we've got those role models of now. Of course. But when yes. I was young, for instance, um, the available cultural models of a lesbian were, were far from pleasant. You know, you could yeah. either be like Sister George or yeah. you could be some, quote, ugly, man-hating feminist, unquote. Well, you talk
0: um, about um, a couple of um, old documentaries, which when I, I once researched... Yes. Um, a, um we did a, a film called A Bit of Scarlet, which mm. I was a production assistant on, one mm. of my first ever mm. jobs. We, we, it was like a history of lesbian and gay representation mm. in British Mm-mm. film and TV. And we looked at, the, there's a couple of sort of black and white documentaries from the 60s. That there were are. On the lesbians. There are, That's And right. I can remember this um, doctor sort of saying, well, lesbianism is one manifestation of a failure to fully develop
1: <laughs> that was what we were told at school. Yes, that was the yes. only thing we were told about any kind of same-sex r- desire. When it we was had somehow our, immature in our and not single proper. session of sex education, <laughs> we were told that it was a phase.
0: Yeah, that yeah.
1: a lot of people went through. That's right. But yeah. going through it was the main thing. Um, Mm. So, yeah, so there we are. And if you look at academic research, because recently there's been a growing interest in what happens to uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people when they get old. Because obviously with the ageing population, everybody's needs are going to be catered for. Mm. And the Equalities Act means we have to cater for absolutely everybody's needs. And there's a certain kind of panic around how do we know whether we've got any queer old people in our old folks home and if we have what do we do with them so there's a mm-hmm. certain amount of research going on um, yes, yeah. but if you look closely at this research what you find yet again is that if you break down the sample on which the research mm. is based it's all gay um, men gay men and a few middle-aged women and, right. and what academics will often say uh, traditionally about this is that older lesbians don't want to be found
0: they're hiding
1: right. they don't want to come out and talk to anybody and of course, yeah. I'm old and a lesbian, so I thought, well, if they're going to You're talk to You're any- not that old, Jane. No, I'm not that old, but I'm going to be <laughs> 70 next birthday. Well, and okay. so I'm thinking to myself, there are more old lesbians in my front room last Sunday than there are in this piece of academic research.
0: <laughs> right. Maybe so they you will could talk to me. Piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: in the end, I, I think I had 400 people respond to my survey and I collected 50 life stories. So mm-hmm. they are there. And actually, you know, we do want to be heard. We don't want to be personally, individually outed very often. Mm. But yes, um, it is important to tell those stories, and mm. they are such wonderful stories, Rosie. They are so wonderful.
0: Yes, well, I've been looking through through the research this afternoon, and and Have yeah, you? This, yes, absolutely. Oh, I'm impressed. Yes. yes, and no, I mean, there's there's some very interesting. Sort of angles, well, looking at how you know class makes a difference, how yeah. a woman from a slightly higher class might have been able to experiment a mm. bit more, and, yeah. and whereas a working class woman yeah. would have been much more had to stay in her yeah. marriage. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that, 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 sort that of was really very
1: clearly expressed in, I think, the two oldest women that I interviewed, yeah, um, who were both around 90 at the time when I interviewed mm. them. Um, And one of them, as you say, was a middle class woman who, although she was deeply, deeply closeted all her life. In fact, in order to interview her, we had to go and lock ourselves in her bedroom. You know, it's when she's 90. Um, But she did have a lesbian life. She worked in the theatre, you know, and she just had these options, albeit it was a secret life. And as you say, the the other very old woman whom I interviewed, um, who had been born working class, um, mm. and had struggled very much with her sexuality all her life and didn't actually tell anybody about it ever until, until she, she was, was 85. 85, yeah. yes.
0: And in her um, sort of care, care home? Yes,
1: she, she lived in sheltered accommodation and she came out to the warden right. um, there. Wow. Who fortunately was a most wonderful woman. Good. And put my interviewer in touch with the local lesbian community. Um, but, you know, we, and we still... We still see her, and she's now, well, she'll be 95 tomorrow.
0: Mm. Mm. Wow, amazing. No, amazing, amazing stories. And you talk about um, putting her in touch with the lesbian community, Mm. and that that is one thing that came across very, very strongly, this idea that social groups and social networks have been so important to these women. And in a way, this is something that slightly worries me because I'm I'm a little bit um, younger, um, but I do feel that this, this sense that friends have been my family and there's yes, that, that strong idea, yes. but that that is kind of dissolving a tiny bit. A lot of the sort of women-only bars and spaces close down, a lot of those groups close down. It's closed a very fixed
1: question, isn't it? Because mm. you don't want to Do kind of fall them into anymore? that thing that we used to have just after, you know, it became legal for men. Yeah. You used to meet these sweet old queens who used to say, oh, darling, it was, it was so lovely in the illegal <laughs> days. And it wasn't actually, it was awful, but yeah. there's that thrill of... I don't know the support you get in a in a stigmatized group. Yes, well, you're sort of forced, you're forced together, to look, and, and there is that wonderful feeling. But yeah. I think I've got young lesbian friends too. I can think of who've said to me, "We don't know any other lesbians apart from ourselves and you."
0: Yeah, well, that's interesting. And that's because isn't it? it's
1: possible to live your life in the open, to go to you know, don't have to look for gay bars. You can go and drink with straight people in normal just... situations, and that's all wonderful.
0: Well, it is, but, isn't but a little it a thing has been lost. A little, a little, thing, little thing has, has been, been lost. lost yes. yes, yes. I think
1: so. And if certainly, if you look at the long-standing um, lesbian uh, social groups, the formal ones like Henrik, yeah, um, you know, and there are many, many. One of the things I discovered actually was there are thousands of organised or semi-organised lesbian social groups all over the country, and yeah. they're all sort of interlinked. And that's how my research request got out got all out over there. the UK so fast because people just told their friends in their groups but if you look at them the average age is high now Mm -hmm. certainly all the ones I've been associated with very very unlikely to have members under 40 and very often the members are quite a lot over 60 so yes I think that need is perhaps passing away Mm, very interesting Uh, uh, as you suggest something's been lost as well yeah one
0: one thing that particularly interested me in that section was this suggestion I definitely responded to this that lesbians are less likely to make a rigid distinction between love relationships and friendship relationships Mm. And might have more That's sort of and, and romantic friendships. Stay friends with exes, of course, yes. is is the classic because you kind of have to because you're all in the same group. Yeah. But also, one there was one woman quoted as saying that the best way to make a new friend is to have a fling, and then and then you've got a friendship yeah. out of it. And I definitely respond to that. You did,
1: you did. Yeah. Okay, well. Some of us do. Yes, but why? <laughs> and some why, us, why, why some of us would don't les- ever speak to our exes again?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one ex I don't speak to. Sadly, I I, I like to keep things friendly mm. if I can. But but I thought that was quite interesting. Why would lesbians be less less likely to make those distinctions than than heterosexual women? Who also have quite romantic friendships with with women sometimes, but then yes. perhaps that is the distinction that well, I'm that not the not... best person to ask that question. Mm. I've thought about it a lot, yeah, and a... I
1: actually, I, th- I mean, I think in the 21st century, because we've all become more visible, yeah, that there is a point of view which suggests that the gay community is leading the way in the new ways to make family and to make relationships, ah, and so yeah. that, that straight people are maybe copying the way we used to. I'm not sure whether that's true or not, but and I also think that I know quite a few straight people. Who have good relationships with their exes and are best friends with their ex husbands and so on and so on. So I think it's probably a little bit of a of a generalization. But it is a feature of the lesbian community and it always has been that, you know, we all know our exes and their family. (laughs) Um, it's like we all have cats. We don't all have cats. One of the groundbreaking (laughs) results of my research was that I discovered that not all lesbians, old lesbians have cats. Oh hang on a minute. I know I know I've destroyed I've destroyed a major (laughs) myth. But Yes, I mean there there is something about about that continuing and it comes out of that same hidden community where if you didn't speak to your ex you lost your entire social group Mm. because it was a small
0: closed group. And you had to go on knowing them. But thinking about this sort of um, plasticity of of female sexuality, which has been Mm. written a lot about and talked a lot about recently, there were a lot of women who had been married to men as well. And and indeed some of them reported to have have definitely been in love with their their husband. 40%
1: of the women who had been married... Said that they got married because they loved their husbands,
0: mm. but they would define as a lesbian.
1: Yes, and I think this is a different, another thing which is different in the generations because certainly yeah. my younger contemporaries at, at university, you know, my fellow students, would probably not pin themselves down that rigidly anyway and this whole yeah. thing about lesbian identity one of them yeah. said to me the other day it's so 60s <laughs> you know, it's so passé which it is i mean wow um, i don't know i, th- when I the think 60s, the young that, i think uh, the young, well 70s perhaps 70s, but the young i think maybe. now would define the nature of the current relationship, but they wouldn't say that means that I'm like that forever. That's who I am.
0: Yeah, I mean, some people use queer as a sort of all-embracing uh, yes, that's right, non-heteronormative. They do.
1: and non-binary and non-binary, all sorts exactly, of words. That, but
0: yeah. I think uh,
1: it, it was a matter of identity for the generations that I, I studied. Think it, it
0: needed to be, uh, didn't it? and
1: it was interesting that so mm. many women told me what was effectively a bisexual narrative. Ah, oh. and then when I said to them. Would that perhaps be a bisexual story, said very firmly, no, that was my life. I was if um, but I'm I was always a lesbian really. Or then I discovered that I was really a lesbian. Not all. Some made I mean I spoke to two or three women who were political lesbians, who actually made the decision to become a lesbian. As a sort of feminist. As a political feminist political choice. And I spoke to plenty of people who were who just knew they were from the age of 7 and never never swerved so it's mm. hugely varied i mean that was the main if i had one thing that i found out yeah. i would say that it was that word lesbian in those generations covers such a broad spectrum
0: Yes, it's really interesting. I mean, the political lesbian thing was still very much something when I was at university in the 90s. You know, people were still, you know, I was very confused by being in love with a woman who was a political (laughs) lesbian. Um, (laughs) But so, and a lot of women said they had chosen that identity as well. That that was interesting. Um, And the vast majority or oh, well 58% had not had children and That's i guess right. those statistics will change a bit now as we have very we much. have a lot more lesbians having very kids much now because it just wasn't actually an option yeah.
1: for the majority of people in
0: fact a lot of the women i think who'd got married had said that they did so to have children. That had been a strong motivating factor for that some, That was hadn't one it? of the
1: reasons, yes. And certainly all of them who had children had had, had those children within heterosexual relationships, which, again, mm. would be very different in the younger generations, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Um, it
0: would, indeed. Were there any other um, things that particularly interested you or surprised you? Yes, I'm quite interested at the moment.
1: I'm busy working up, writing a a paper from a piece of the data that didn't go into my thesis, which is about... Actually, it's about butch femme identities. Oh, yes. But one of the things that's interesting within that is that in the generations that I studied, people who perhaps now would identify as trans... Ah, yes. ..didn't have that word or that... Those narratives, all those ideas, those concepts. No, not at And we at can all. only call ourselves what, we know. That are, what we know. That's the right. The that are theirs. So there I've just been just been working on the story of a woman who, in fact, passed as a man for quite for a good portion of her life, um, and who identifies as a butch lesbian, um, but who I think who said to me, you know, if it had been now and I'd been twenty five, I would probably have had the operation. So right. I think. Uh, there's that again increases that huge variety mm. of of life stories that's within this this definition that's really interesting it's been it? such fun i mean i just can't let it go really the next thing is to to take the stories and make
0: them into a book i think yes well I, I hope that can happen because mm. then you know people will be able to access it more more easily, won't they? Well, I'll come back and tell you when it happens. <laughs> yeah, no, well, we'll definitely be plugging that. Well, you're, you're actually on a bit of a sort of radio tour at the moment, aren't you? You're on Out in Brighton. With, I'm on Out in Brighton tomorrow, yes, that's right. With yes. in, Cathy down in Brighton on sort of uh, unofficial sister show down there. That's tomorrow. right, yes. Um, and this was your first ever radio interview, actually. I think it was, was with one
1: very small (laughs) exception, which I've suddenly remembered while we've been talking, which wasn't really an interview at all, because it took place in a sort of cupboard. It was one of those BBC outposts where you never actually see anyone, but you go into their local office, which turns out to be a cupboard somewhere with a telephone in. And you pick the telephone up and you're on the radio. You're on the radio, But that doesn't really count, does it? So... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I wondered what you're talking about, though. This is this is much more deluxe than a. a this sort is of very fine, everybody. BBC. I'm in a very smart little studio here, a BBC yeah. cupboard, and I mean, can. Um Sort of normal people look at your research online if they did want to go and read it. Yes, and you're going to ask me how to find it, and I have forgotten to bring the
1: reference uh, with me. It, but
0: no, it, it was it was a slightly com- complicated URL. But we can if we're allowed to tweet it from our absolutely Twitter right. And I'm basically, if you look London. at
1: the. Um, sussex university website and look for um Good for you for theses i think you that that would be one way to do it but yes, yes if you can tweet it um i think the diva article managed to make it into a much simpler url ah, i don't know how they, they did, did that. a bit they did a perhaps, tiny one a little a little one a tiny url one. a tiny url yeah. right okay so that's it oh and that will be repeated in the next diva article about the research which is in the january issue
0: oh Okay. Which
1: comes out in about three weeks.
0: Because the I know you were in the one was November- it the one we were in s- November. The, the, yes. the, yeah, right. There was okay. quite a
1: lot about it in that in that was, article that Jill Gardner fact, wrote. That's right. That's um, how we heard about it. And you. then she's written another one, which is going to be in the January issue of the. And that's
0: yeah. written by Jill again.
1: Written by Jill again, but about
0: this one's about what's going to happen to us when we're old. Ah, okay. Um, well, yes. Well, Jill's obviously um, kind of probably an interesting person to to work with on on writing that because she's obviously we've spoken to her about her history of the gateways Well Club that's how and Jill and I there. met
1: of course because she interviewed me for the for gateways that. book many ah. many moons ago um, and then I moved to Brighton and so yes
0: I see I see okay so it's all it's all becoming clear now Jane well thank you so much for joining us on Out in South London we have to go now Thank um, you but yes we'll tweet the link to the research so people can go and read it in detail should they want to but it's been great to chat to you you